my messages were not that they weren't great, but they were just that there was probably a little bit of what they call kind of the read and ramble uh, style of message delivery for the first four or five years, I'd say, at Calvary Belmar, where I would exposit the text faithfully. So don't get me wrong; it was it was a faithful exposition of the text, but I would say I want to I'm going to take these ten verses or whatever, and then I would have five different points in those ten verses, and you know I'd give some application and I'd give some illustrations and all that stuff. But at the end of the message people would walk away with something, but it wasn't necessarily like a, an intentional message that I would have crafted around a specific theme or whatever with that verse. So uh, what happened probably for me, the biggest thing that changed the way that I deliver a message, not, not prepare, but deliver um, was probably five years into that. I just realized that really like what I was doing was just throwing stuff out there rather than really thinking about and crafting and delivering a um, well thought out message with a purpose that is taking what the text says and then applying it to what's going on. Hey guys, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 135. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and thank you for listening. So the conversation that you're going to hear is between two Colorado pastors, um, one of whom is Nick Cady. He, he's a frequent voice on this podcast. He's one of the steering committee of the Expositors Collective. And the other is Nate Morris. And Nick speaks to Nate about his ongoing growth in clarity in preaching communication. Um, his journey is like many of ours, starting out in preaching where we just say dozens of good things, but they're not really sequentially ordered and it can be a bit haphazard feeling. Uh, Nate has grown and moved in a direction of saying one thing and saying it well, uh, taking advantage of all of the multi-sensory opportunities that a church gathering has and communicating one big truth. So if you wanna grow in clarity, then I know this episode will be useful to you. Here's something else for you. Just to let you know that our next Expositors Collective online training webinar is going to be taking place on the 5th of December. The 5th of December. Keep your eyes peeled. Uh, make sure you're connected to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more details and the way with which you can sign up will be available there. All right, without any further ado, here is Nate Morris and Nick Katie. All right, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. This is Nick Katie, and I'm here today with Nate Morris. Welcome, Nate. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me on. Blessing to be here. Yeah, so Nate, you are the pastor of Mountain Life Calvary Chapel. Maybe you could tell our listeners just a little bit about who you are, where you minister. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am the lead pastor at Mountain Life Calvary Chapel, which is uh, in the Vail Valley in Colorado. So um, if you've ever heard of Vail, it's a ski resort town. So it's kind of an interesting uh, location where we're at. Um, I've been here for a few years. I planted a church in Lakewood near Denver uh, in 2010. And then in 2017, moved up here to take over leadership of this church as the former lead pastor of this church moved to Santa Barbara to take over leadership at Calvary Chapel of Santa Barbara. So I've been here for a few years and, you know, lots of change and turnover and things happening in that time. And the kind of the biggest thing we've done recently is we just started an, an extension location about an hour away from us uh, in another community. So kind of ministering in that community as well. Yeah. So I've had the opportunity to visit your church several times, Nate. And I, I have to say, and I actually said this to somebody the other day, that your church there in Vail is like one of my favorite churches in the world. There's like a handful of churches that I really like to visit. And part of it's the the area where you live is beautiful. But the other part is that it's just a really sweet spirit in the church, really welcoming and and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what the secret to that is. I'm sure that it's been a long time and long process. But anyway, whenever I get up there, I'm always, I'm always glad to be there. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's, um, I was on staff at this church before, um, before we planted a church in Denver. And one of the things that we wanted to do when we went there was to see that same kind of 
spirit of this church planted in that community as well. So uh, I agree. It's, and that's, that has nothing to do with me. Honestly, I think that's just the Lord and the community and, and what uh, the former pastor of this church, Pastor Tommy Schneider, really poured into the culture of this church. And so um, it is, it's a blessing to be a part of this church. Absolutely. Cool. So, you know, Nate, we've known each other for, I don't even know how many years now I'd be dating myself if I said it, but I've known, I've known you since I was in high school, actually. Yeah, it was, it would have been 2000 would have been the year that I would have met you probably in the fall. Cause I, I moved from where I live now to Denver to go to school and uh, got plugged in at that church there, Crossroads Church of Denver at that time. And uh, our paths crossed there. So yeah, it's been yeah. 20 years crazy. Wow. 20 years. Yeah. You know, and at the time, I mean, I, I was not aspiring to be in ministry at all. I was just a kid going to church. Yeah. I'm, I, I'd say the same thing about me. In fact, I, at that time I was a musician and my, I wanted to be in ministry, but I really, I wanted to be a rock star for Jesus was kind of my thing. I want, I played in a, a Christian punk rock band and that was really where I thought ministry was headed for me. In fact, I didn't want to be a pastor. <laughs> I was like, okay. if there was one thing I didn't want to do, it was to be a pastor of a church. So it's kind of funny how the Lord works. Yeah. Well, maybe you could tell some of our listeners uh, how you got started in ministry. Like how did you transition from being a rock star? to being a pastor. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, let me clarify. I never actually reached rock star status there, but, um, but I, you know, I played in this band for about six years and uh, it's interesting how the Lord just kind of had a plan that he knew. And he even kind of let other people in on that a little bit over the years. My youth pastor, when I was in high school was telling me, Oh, you're going to go to seminary and you're going to be a, a pastor. And a friend that we both know, Pete Nelson, kind of had the same things to say about me when I was at that age, kind of around the time that you and I met. Um, in fact, he, he kind of had me lead some different things. And I was like, no, I just don't really want to do that. I, I wanted to be in music. I wanted to be, um, to, I wanted to, to minister to people and to bring people to Jesus in an evangelistic sense and whatnot. But, but really, it was through music was my, my vision for that. And over the course of time, you know, the, um, the band thing kind of wind down, uh, wound down as my, my wife and I kind of started to grow up a little bit. And um, I kind of transitioned to, you know, like, I, I don't really want this to be about me. I'd rather it be about the Lord. And so for that, it was really like I transitioned to leading worship. And so I was leading worship around at different churches and college groups and things like that. And, uh, and the Lord, at a certain point in 20, 2007, led my wife and I to move where I live now, actually, to the Vale Valley um, to be a part of this church. Kind of that spirit that you talked about, we just felt drawn to this church and this community and, and felt like the Lord was leading us to move up here. So we did. Um, you know, and as we moved here and got settled in, I found out that they were looking for a worship, uh, leader or, or, or so I thought. And so I came to the pastor that was here and said, Hey, you know, I, I, this is my heart for worship. This is what, what God's put on my heart to do. I would love to, to step into that role. And, uh, he came to me and said, well, I'm not really looking for a worship leader, but I am looking for an assistant pastor that can oversee worship ministry. And of course that keyword was like, and eh, no, 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 I don't want that. Right. But I prayed about it and God kind of, um, confirmed it in my heart. And so took a step of faith into that. And I started out as the worship leader here. And then over the course of about a year, um, he transitioned me out of that into being a general assistant pastor here at the church. And so I started to, uh, teach and things like that. I mean, I'd led Bible studies and small groups and things before many times, but, um, never really like preaching, I guess I would say. And so I started to kind of start to do that, you know, as, as part of that role. And um, the Lord really confirmed in my heart that that was where he had gifted me and I called me. So uh, kind of let go of the whole musical aspirations and, and uh, jumped in with both feet into pastoring. And, you know, my first sermon was brutal. <laughs> it was on a Sunday night. We have a Sunday night service. It was on a Sunday night service. And he let me, he let me teach and, you know, he kind of, we compared my notes and stuff. And I had about 35, 40 minutes of material prepared on, I think it was John 15. So I was teaching on, you know, abiding in the vine and um, I practiced it multiple times and it worked out to about 35 minutes. And I was so nervous when I actually got up and spoke that I got through the entire message in 15 minutes, like 40 minutes of content in 15 minutes. I was just right. Um, and I looked at the clock and I was like, and that's, all that I have 
that's to say. <laughs> so, I guess we're going to close with some worship. <laughs> so yeah. it was, it was brutal, but, um, but it was, you know, at the same time, the Lord used it. There's a guy that came up to me and said, Hey, that was really just what I needed to hear tonight. God moved and spoke in my heart. And so thank you. Um, maybe he just felt bad for me because he could tell huh. <laughs> that I was feeling bad, but you know, at the same time it was, uh, uh, the, the word of God never returns void. Right. So, right. Um, but anyways, long story short, over the, the next couple of years, had more opportunity to teach, more opportunity to lead. And God really kind of spoke to my heart to plant a church. And so my wife and I moved to the Lakewood area in Denver and planted a church uh, named Calvary Belmar that is uh, still there today. The, the, the current pastor is Pastor Scott Morrison. And um, yeah, that kind of rest is history, as they say. Yeah. So you had that opportunity to preach and I guess maybe it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. I mean, did they ask you to teach again? That's always kind of the bellwether yeah. test, right? <laughs> they did. Although I'll say that it was a blessing that the, the, the lead pastor was not there that night when I spoke, okay. he was gone for an event. So he may not have asked again if he had heard me that night, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but they did. And, uh, you know, I got the opportunity to start speaking at our midweek service uh, once a month. So we, we kind of rotated between the assistant pastors at the church, each speaking once a month. I wasn't, um, I wasn't a youth pastor, so I didn't get to kind of like sharpen my gifts and doing that weekly teaching. Um, and I didn't, you know, I led a Bible study, but leading a Bible study is a different dynamic than preaching. And so um, I didn't get to do it very often until I actually planted the church. You know, I'd, I'd probably taught maybe eight or 10 times by the time we planted a church. So it oh, really? was uh, kind of oh. trial by fire at that point. Yeah. So um, I, I had, you know, I, I'd spoken, you know, at church and, and, and whatnot, but um, it was only a handful of times. And so really when we moved and planted Calvary Belmar, that was when I was digging in weekly to exposition and application and really like taking that and putting it in a message format. So um, that's probably really where I really started to hone uh, and work on it. Right. I mean, I worked on it a lot when I was doing the once a month thing, but it was once a month over the course of, you know, a year. So yeah, um, it wasn't, it wasn't a whole lot. So yeah. You know, I was just remembering that you and I were in a group and I've mentioned this group sometimes at our expositors collective meetings is that, um, you know, Pete Nelson and Tom Stipe, when we were at Crossroads together in Denver, they, they pulled some of us young guys. I think the group started out pretty big and then it, it kind of like dwindled down in numbers to where there were just a few of us left. But we would meet on Sundays upstairs in the church offices and uh, they would kind of just pour into us, you know, kind of young guys. I think there was even an age limit. They wouldn't let anybody over 25 be in the group. And I was uh, 18 at the time. You're probably around 20 or so. And um, they... They poured into us, gave us some resources. And for years, I actually looked at my notes from those meetings because I had no other real training to go on. So for you, when you were learning to preach, how did, what would you draw on as far as, you know, how do, how do you even start doing this? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think, um, and we, we talked a little bit about that group before. And to be honest, I really don't remember any of the instruction that we received in that group, probably because the reality is I didn't want to be there in the sense of not that I didn't want to be with those guys and, and, and stuff. But at that time in my life, I did not want to be a pastor and I never saw myself preaching or teaching at all. And so I, I kind of got pulled into that by Pete, you know, Nelson and, um, and he saw that there. And so it, it was, uh, um, something that I didn't really grab onto. So really like digging into learning about teaching and preaching and stuff. I didn't really get into that much until we planted the church. Right. But, but really the foundation was here at this church learning under pastor Tommy Schneider. And he, um, would kind of walk through some of those things with me, you know, a little bit as, as he knew that I hadn't been teaching, you know, and, and, and those things we had, uh, uh, he kind of like say, you know, he went through some of the basics of communication, you know, like, uh, um, speaking, right. You know, and also expositing a text, um, and just kind of walked through some of those things and looked at what that looks like in, um, how you deliver it and all of that stuff, uh, not in depth. I mean, if you know Tommy at all, you know that he is the, the least organized person you'll ever meet. So it's kind of like gleaning, picking up things here and there, right. Just like, like, oh yeah, grab that little nugget and hold on to that, right? That was kind of that type of a thing. And a lot of listening to his 
delivery as well with intention to learn, right? So that was a lot of it also. And I think that probably translated to when I moved to Denver, I would listen to different preachers and teachers and, you know, kind of pick up on what they did and how they delivered a message and how they exposited a text. And I relied heavily on David Guzik's commentary. Um, I mean, every single week, I still use it every single week. I'm not Maybe not as heavily as I used to. Um, in fact, one time I saw him at a conference and I said, I, I love your commentary. It's so great. I was like, I use it all the time. I always give you attribution though. And he's like, oh, you don't have to worry about it. Just use it anyways. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll do that then. <laughs> so there's been many a time I've stolen his stuff and delivered it, you know. Um, but, um, you know, less and less over the years as I've kind of developed my own style and I still use it for that kind of digging into what, what I'm looking at in the text every week. But um, really kind of, digging into that, you know, I think some of the things that as I really got going preaching every week and, and, you know, over seven years at Calvary Belmar that we were there, probably the last two years is when I really started to focus intentionally on what I was doing and teaching, right? Because we're planning a church, right? So you're doing all kinds of different things at the same time when you're planning a church, you're teaching every week, you're trying to run an organization, uh, when you're planning a church, you're keeping track of budgets and finances and stuff. That's really probably not your gifting. If you're a, a pastor type, you know, some people are, but for me, it was like, okay, I got to learn all this stuff. I've got to learn organizational management and trial by fire and a lot of things. Right. So for the first five years, it was like, I would pick a book and I'd go through it. And I'd kind of just, my messages were not that they weren't great, but they were just, there was probably a little bit of what they call kind of the read and ramble uh, style of message delivery for the first four or five years, I'd say at Calvary Belmar, where I would exposit the text faithfully. So don't get me wrong. It was, it was a faithful exposition of the text, but I would, um, say, I want to, I'm going to take these 10 verses or whatever. And then I would have five different points in those 10 verses. And, you know, I'd give some application and I'd give some illustrations and all that stuff. But at the end of the message, people would walk away with something, but it wasn't necessarily like a, an intentional message that I would have crafted around a specific theme or whatever with that verse. So uh, what happened probably for me, the biggest thing that changed the way that I deliver a message, not, not prepare, but deliver um, was probably five years into that, four or five years into that when I read, I read a book by um, Andy Stanley um, and I'm, I'm actually not a huge Andy Stanley fan for, uh, for he kind of ruffles my feathers on a few things, <laughs> honestly, yeah. uh, some of his, his views of scripture and some of those things I'm a little, bugs me just a little bit, but he wrote this book called communicating for a change. And, um, I read through that book and I just realized that really like what I was doing was just throwing stuff out there rather than really thinking about and crafting and delivering a um, well thought out message with a purpose that is taking what the text says and then applying it to what's going on. So, um, so I, I highly recommend that book again. I mean, and Andy Stanley is um, he's a bit of an anomaly to me. I don't really understand kind of his philosophy and stuff, but the book itself uh, is a great book on communication and message delivery, I'd say. So. Sure. Yeah. And I would agree. He's a great communicator. And that actually leads into something I also wanted to talk to you about, which is that there are some other people who are not necessarily known as good expositors or great expositors. They're not known for their preaching. Let's put it that way. And these would be people like, let's say Craig Rochelle, Judah Smith, Chad Veach, people who I've seen you because we're friends on online. I've seen you maybe quote them or mention them. And so I wanted to hear from you and have you kind of share with our listeners as these people are not necessarily known for expository preaching, what is it that you think that we can learn from them? Yeah. And I would say for me, I think it's a similar thing with Andy Stanley and he might be in that group as well, even a little bit um, is, well, there's, there's two things. The first one is I think um, in different circles, sometimes we can get uh, insular in our thinking and, you know, C.S. Lewis talks about um, this idea that he kind of coined called chronological snobbery, if you've ever heard of that, where he talks about yeah. th this propensity for people to think that our current time is the most advanced, most well-known time. Knowledge has never, you know, knowledge has peaked right now compared to all of history. We know way more and we're way more cultured and educated than everyone before. Um, and I think, I mean, we can see that happening, but I think also within church circles, 
we can have uh, something that I kind of stealing his term called theological snobbery. Um, and what I mean by that is not, not that we bear with false teaching. Don't get me wrong. Um, all those people that you mentioned, actually, uh, maybe with the exception of Craig Rochelle, I, I, I've listened to him pretty extensively and I think he's pretty solid. But a lot of those other guys have things that I have strong disagreements with them on theologically, on, on secondary issues, right? Not on salvation issues, not on core essential doctrines, but, um, but I disagree with them on several things. And one of the things that can happen, and I think I've seen at least happen in our tribe and Calvary Chapel circles, is we can say we've got the right way and everybody else, we might not say this, but, but it's almost as if everybody else is a false teacher, you know, uh, not to the point of, you know, outright banning them or things like that. But I think that we can tend to discount and discredit um, other biblical expressions of church and teaching and worship that still fall within orthodoxy, right? Um, and have this, this superior attitude to where we, we believe that one, we don't have anything to gain from them. Um, and two, that we have the right way. And I think that this is really dangerous in the, the body of Christ. Um, now there's an opposite danger of, just accepting everything and saying, you know, like I, I've tried, I'll say this, I've tried because I, I've heard so many times, you know, Joel Osteen's a false teacher and all these things. I've tried every once in a while, I see his program on late at night and I'm like, I'm just going to give him a shot. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, no, he's a false teacher. Right. <laughs> there's, there's certain people out there that are like, you know what? No, you just can't go there. Some of the things that I've heard him say, I'm like, okay, but just, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, that with that, but, um, but I think that sometimes in, in Christianity, different groups of people get this superior attitude towards each other where we discount and discredit, you know, we've seen John MacArthur do this with his whole, um, you know, and I have great respect for John MacArthur, but, uh, and I disagree with him on a lot of things too, but, um, you know, he had that whole strange fire book that he did a while back or whatever, and just really, hammered on Calvary chapels, even in some other groups. And I think that we need to have way more humility than that. And the thing that I think with, I see people like Craig Rochelle or uh, even people that maybe have come out of our tribe, like Levi Lusco um, and Chad Veach and Judah Smith and some of the things that they do ruffle, ruffle my feathers the wrong way a little bit. But I also think that um, to think that we have, the monopoly on correct theology and also delivery of that is um, a dangerous place to be. And I think what I have learned is that, that we can take, we can take those guys and say, well, I disagree with you on this, but also learn things from them. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, I think there's no disagreeing with the fact that for some of these guys, some, they, their strength is not necessarily, their, you know, theology or maybe their um, expository preaching of the Bible, but their presentation is often very right. good and very compelling. And like you're saying with Andy Stanley, I mean, he has a way of saying, hey, think through your message. And he's, he's kind of presenting you with an idea of a different way of preaching. So would you say that it's possible to take great theology and combine it with those kinds of methodologies of presenting the text? Mm -hmm. And, and why not, right? Why can't we have both? It doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah. And I think that's what I, just as a short answer to the, to, to, to my long explanation before, I think that that is what I have for the past probably um, five years really tried to do is to say, and I see some really great value in what Calvary Chapel, our, our tribe has done in terms of, and teach the Bible, be simple about it, exposit the text, give the meaning, you know, cover the whole thing so that you have to talk about the hard stuff. You don't just get to talk about what you want to do. There's great value there. And I've grown there in so many ways. And I also think that there's great value in, in learning how to, you know, engage the heart in a way that people, that, that some of those guys do as well. And, you know, preaching isn't only explaining the text, but also using the text to engage the heart. And I think that that is a key element where 
my, my former style of teaching, like I explained before, was kind of the read and ramble. And I would give a few points and people would walk away and the Holy Spirit, of course, would use it, right? It was great. Um, but, it, you know, there might have been four things from the message. And honestly, the, the thing that really stuck out to me in Andy Stanley's book was something that he learned um, that he would ask, you know, be talking to somebody and, and you know, they might have pointed out something to him and, and you know, thinking about like, well, what what that was the message last week, you know, didn't you listen to the message last week and, and them not being able to remember that what the message was about the last week. And then realizing that he didn't remember what the message was about last week, you know? <laughs> right. And, and, and I, I think, think that some people would argue with that, Justin, they would say, well, isn't our job to give people a steady diet of God's word and let the Holy spirit work that out. But, but I think what you're saying is that, our goal is to be effective in helping people understand the word, apply it to their lives, these things. And so mm -hmm. why not use methods that help us be more effective? You know, actually from Andy Stanley, the, I haven't studied him extensively at all, but I do know one thing that I heard from him. And that is this, that he says, he actually doesn't try to preach a three point sermon, you know, kind of your, your traditional yeah. three points. He says he tries to have a one point sermon. And yeah. his one point is, this is the thing you need to walk away with. If you forget everything right. else I said, remember this one point. And I've actually started applying that. Uh, one of the things I did, starting with the pandemic right now, is that I knew that I had kids listening, you know, of, of different yeah. ages. And because we had kids in the room, I was always uh, like a three-point guy. And never, never mm -hmm. like religiously. It was just, it's a, it's a good way to communicate. You can remember things yeah. in threes. So what I did is I said, okay, we got kids in the room and I was thinking about my own kids, you know, and wanting them as they watch the video first. And then now as, as they're also coming in person, I want them when they leave church, if someone asks them, what'd you guys talk about at church today? I want them to be able to remember. So what right. I've started doing is I will summarize my message in one sentence. And I put this sentence on the screen and I actually use that sentence as my outline for studying the text. Mm -hmm. And I literally tell people every Sunday now, I say, I'm giving you the sentence, write it down, memorize it, make note of it. So that later on today, when somebody asks you what they talk about at church, you can tell them. And, um, and I actually try to keep the sentence fairly short because I want people to remember it. So yeah. I think that that's, that's really smart. And it's, it's one of the things I always say is, look, this isn't just about pragmatism. It's not just about what works, but if right. we, you know, good preaching comes from two loves, love for God and love for people. And mm -hmm. we want to honor God and do what he's called us to do, but we want to love people. And part of loving people is not just throwing info at them. It's helping right. really digest that info and, and yeah. put it into practice in their life so they can be doers right. of the word. Yeah, so, absolutely. And I think that it, it, it comes back to, um, the, you know, we want to have solid orthodoxy first, right? That's, that's, that's key in our theology being correct and really caring about that and not just being careless with that. Um, but then out of our orthodoxy comes orthopraxy, right? And so we have to be, we have to be encouraging our people, not just to know the scriptures, because I mean, I, I I've known people that know the Bible backwards and forwards and don't live like they're changed by the spirit of God. Right. And so that, that practical, like walking that out is, is so key. And I think that, um, that like you talked about the one point I, I've done that as well. That's been a part of what I've been doing, you know, as in that change has been, I'm really going to have one main thing that I want to take away. And so some of what that's done is, you know, when I'm in a narrative text, like right now we're finishing up Joshua, um, one, it's actually for that, I actually moved through Joshua a lot quicker than maybe some people might, you know, um, because I'm not taking, here's a little verse here and here's this and here's that. It's more like, okay, well, this chapter is broken up this way because that when they broke this chapter up, they saw a theme here. So let's look at this, right. And kind of dig into that. And what's the takeaway for that and, and giving that as I, you know, read through the whole chapter, or whatever with, with the church. But then when I get into like a, a letter from Paul or something like that, and you might have, you know, different things, it, it, it goes a lot slower, but I, I really do try to have one uh, main key takeaway for the message uh, each week. And that's, that was a change. That was a big change. And people noticed it when, like when I was at Calvary Belmar, people noticed that and 
that something's different about the way you're communicating. And one of the things that that did is it kind of freed me up a little bit too, to um, not feel an urgency to, to try to get through it, you know? Um, because before it would be like, Oh, I, I really need to get through these four verses or this, this section or something like that. But, but really just saying, okay, no, no, God is speaking. Uh, I'm communicating the word, but also the purpose of communicating the word is so that it impacts people's lives and changes what they're, who they are and what they're doing. Right. Um, and so letting that sit and then kind of working that out. And what we started to do is, um, particularly when I got here, after I left Calvary Belmar, I'd been working on that, on my messages. But then when we got here, I started to really work on actually some of the things that some of those other preachers do, right? So Louis Giglio or, um, you know, uh, some of those guys that are, they have huge churches, whatever, but they're, they're great communicators. And, and some of the things that they do are really theming their service around what they're um, their subject is that they're talking about. Right. And a lot of times those guys will do four week series or six week series. And every once in a while we do that, but generally we still go through a book of the Bible at our church. And so we'll have an overall theme, but then a lot of times for a week, um, on a message, I will, you know, kind of say, okay, this is what we're teaching. And this is what I believe that God wants to communicate through this text to the church. And so how do we help them really lead with that, right? So, I mean, one thing is the one point message, right? But then on top of that, making sure that my illustrations, um, sometimes I like to do like demonstrations, like science experiments and things like that, just kind of help send the point home. And sometimes we'll send people with like a take home, you know, like there was one uh, message where it really was like the, 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 the title of the message was to shake it off and talking about like it, we were going through Nehemiah at the time and it was how Nehemiah was really just kind of ignoring the taunts of uh, Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem as they're, you know, trying to come against the work of God. And he was standing firm. He's like, no, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for you guys. Right. And he just kind of shook it off like water off a duck's back. So what, one of the things that we did is we sent everyone in the church home with a mini duck, like a little squeezy squeaky duck um, you know, like one of those bath toys. Right. And it was like kind of a, just a silly, goofy thing. And, but I'll tell you this, I have seen those ducks around <laughs> and this was like, this is probably, I did that one probably a year and a half ago. And I still see them occasionally or people are like, Oh yeah, I remember that. And it's, this is my little reminder. Like when I'm going through this, that, you know what? No, if I'm, if I'm following the Lord, I, I can shake off the comments of the attacks of the enemy. I can, you know, those types of things. So really theming those things to try to help that message hit home and be, you know, take home with that. And we do also with the worship as well. Um, a lot of times I will work with the worship pastor here and, um, and say, Hey, this is the, like what we're talking about this week and theme the, the worship set as well with that a little bit. I mean, obviously not like, there's not a ton of songs about, you know, shaking off attacks of the enemy and stuff like that, but just kind of that. You didn't have a Taylor Swift song. Nope. (laughs) No, I did not. So (laughs) I'm kind of, yeah. So actually that's, that's an interesting thought. So, okay, let me, let me just kind of bring this home to say, so what you're, what you're doing is you're theming your service saying, okay, here's the one big idea that I want people to walk away from. And then you're actually going beyond just how you preach. It's a multi-sensory kind of teaching, right? So there's something in their hands in there that they can take home to remind them. And so I I know you've told me you've done it in in other ways as well. Like, for example, you said that you got like confetti cannons once, um, you know, and that's... Oh, no, we we didn't actually do that one, but that was an idea we threw around. (laughs) Okay. But I'm just saying like, if you did that, it would be memorable. But right. here's, here's my question for you is like, where do you draw the line? Because, you know, I know that there are some churches out there who would, they would have absolutely sang that Taylor Swift song uh, yeah. with the worship band. And right. in fact, they do that every Sunday, right? Like, so yeah. um, there was a church that I had heard of and they were, they're doing these kind of things. Like they'll sing, you know, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, you know, as a lead in to their theme for that Sunday. But right. I just, I would just ask you, because some people on the one hand, they would say, no, that's going too far. That's compromising. It's turning the church mm-hmm. into a, a circus and it's, it's not what God intended. 
And other right. people say, no, 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 this is just good communication. And this is yeah. a, a useful tool to help people get this truth into their heads and hearts. And, and I'll just say one right. more thing before I, I transition to you is that Martin Lloyd-Jones, if you read his book, Preaching and Preachers, and then I also read uh, some other books by him, Martin Lloyd-Jones really had this idea. He would have agreed with you 100% in saying that expository preaching is not uh, trying to get through a text. It's not reading and rambling. It's not even necessarily verse by verse teaching, though it can be. Right. And so, and you can also, as you said, you can teach verse by verse and not be expository. So, to be expository literally means to expose the text. And John Stott uses this picture. He said, like like a rose opening up to the sun, right? And, And what was previously hidden within then becomes clear. That's the, that's the idea. And so, so they would totally agree with your point here about like a one point sermon and revealing this truth to people through that scripture, maybe bringing other scriptures to do it where they would disagree. You know, Martin Lloyd Jones adamantly said, you should never use jokes in a sermon, you know? And so (laughs) I, I, kind of disagree with him on that, but he would say, no, the purpose of preaching, you know, he would start every sermon the same way, you know, direct our attention to Ephesians chapter four, you know? And, and so I think if Martin Lloyd Jones, you know, saw you handing out ducks or playing Taylor Swift songs, which I know you didn't do, but I think he would pretty much freak out. So what would you say, (laughs) what would you say to Martin Lloyd Jones? in yeah. that case. And well, what would you say to the guys who are playing the Taylor Swift song? Yeah, I think that for, for me, and, and I, I know guys that do that, that, that do secular songs, and I just have a hard time. Personally, I have a hard time with playing a secular song in a church service. I just don't really, for me, it's just not there. I mean, I might make an allusion to it in, in jest. You know, I, I might have even done that that Sunday. I don't remember. It was a while ago. I might have even said, you know, shake it off. Shake, I, I don't know. I, I might do that. Like I talked about, you know, love one Sunday and threw out a super cheesy, you know, what's love got to do with it, you know, in my, in my phrasing, you know, but I wouldn't play the song, you know what I mean? Because I think, um, especially I wouldn't have the band play the song because I think what that does is it, one, it, it glorifies the content of that song but then it also puts it almost on par with, with corporate worship. And I think that that is, to me, that's a dangerous ground to say um, that, you know, singing a Taylor Swift song is the same thing as praising God, right? It's, 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 it's not. Um, now, I'm not condemning a Taylor Swift song, don't get me wrong. Um, but for me, I just wouldn't go there. But I have used movie clips, you know, I've used clips from, movies like elf before, you know, and, uh, random things and messages before. So, I mean, uh, the, the line I think is really seeking the Lord and saying is what I'm doing glorifying God or is what I'm doing and, and, and truly helping communicate the text to the people or is what I'm doing just getting a shock value or just making, you know, this a memorable Sunday where um, that's probably where I would say the line for me would be. So like the confetti cannons thing, uh, that's a, so we actually have a group of people that get together probably every six to eight weeks. And we look at where we're going as, as a, you know, as a church in the text and I will break up, you know, like in Joshua is where we, where we've been. So I'll usually go through and I'll break up the next six to eight weeks of teaching and say, this is this text. And I'll spend this time beforehand, not really expositing the text, but digging into it a little bit enough for myself to say, this is what God's communicating here. This is what God's communicating here. And I'll break those into six to eight weeks of messages, right? And so then I take that outline and I sit down with a group of people, um, some of them staff, some of them not. And usually they're creative people that just kind of think outside the box a little bit. And um, I'll say, here's what, you know, here's what we're communicating over the next two months. And let's really pray about and see what are some ways that we can help this just get hammered home for these people, right? That's where the duck idea came from, right? And um, other, other days, you know, I gave, we gave out little anchors one time as a reminder to be anchored in Christ, right? Um, we've done things where we have people do something during service and um, write certain things on a card and then throw them in a trash can at the end of the service or some just things that help people 
that multi-sensory, right? You mentioned. Um, and so that group kind of sits down and, and works through those things together. And then sometimes we stick with it and sometimes we toss it later, but you know, the, the confetti cannons is a running joke in that group, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, just one day just on a Sunday morning. I think that would be, it would be over the line in my opinion, just because it's goofy. It's just a little too goofy. It's a little bit too like, it's actually distracting from the text and the message. Right. And, and, and that's where I would say, does it add to, or does it subtract from? And if it truly adds to and is glorifying God, then I think, then I think that we have that freedom. And I think, I, I mean, I, I think even you just go back to the way that Jesus taught and, and explained uh, things when he did, you know, just talking about, I mean, in John 15, when he's talking about the vine and the branches, many people have said that he, they think that he was probably walking through the vineyards. And I, I don't know, it doesn't say that, but he might've been, you know, but he used these very vivid pictures for people that they could relate to. Um, the, the parable of the sower scattering the seed, right? I mean, there, for all we know, there might've been somebody that's out there doing that, right? Then it's like, hey, you know, just like this, you know, um, those, those visual and tactile and experiential um, analogies and illustrations, I think are very helpful. Some people product process auditorially, but um, for most people, it's a combination, you know, of different experiences and senses that really help them to, to, to absorb the information. So um, for me, it, it, I couldn't give you a hard and fast line, but for personally, I wouldn't play, I would not have the worship team play a, a secular song during service. So. Right. Okay, cool. Hey, so I think our time here is up, but I want to give you the last word. Um, how have you grown as a preacher over the years? You've mentioned a lot of things, but if, if there's one kind of closing thought that you could give our listeners before you go, what would that be? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I have learned and every, every, this is probably, you've probably heard this before and every pastor will tell you this, but it's, it really, even with all the stuff that we're talking about today, like I, I care a lot about what I deliver and how I deliver it. And really like, you know, if you go to a restaurant and the food's all just lumped up together, it's kind of like not appetizing, but if it's very beautifully presented, you, you really savor that. Right. So I, I care about the delivery of what I'm doing when it comes to um, giving the word of God and delivering that. But the word of God is still the word of God. And that's the cool thing is that, you know, there's been days when I'm like, I hit a home run with that one. And it's like, Nope. <laughs> you know, like there's just nobody, nobody remembered it or got anything from it. And it's just kind of like one of those days. And then there's days where I'm like, I don't know what happened while I was preaching just now, but it did not go the way that I thought it would. And then somebody comes up to me in tears after the service and is like, God has just spoke to me so much right there. And I think that for me, that one of the things that that does is as much as I love the craft of preaching and pouring heart and soul and mind and planning and all those things into it, um, those things are not actually the most important thing. The most important thing is that you are faithful to deliver the text. And even if you're reading and rambling, you know, a little bit like faithful to deliver the text and you're leaning on the Holy spirit and letting it just be him that delivers the message. Right. And, you know, in first Peter four eleven, it says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Right. And, the, the, the thing is when we're delivering a, a message that is the scriptures, right? And I, I, again, I'm not really a big fan of just kind of getting up and talking, you know, just, just to talk. I think that I, I, for all that we've said today, I, I think that we didn't really get into the actual thought of expository teaching and what that looks like. It's so important to deliver the, the truth of the scriptures. If you're doing that, that um, God is going to speak. And the word of God never returns void and lives will be changed. And you can have confidence in that. And that's, that's kind of the thing that, you know, um, my wife, when she, when she speaks for a women's event or something like that, she often gets very nervous about it. And it's like, I hope I did it. Okay. I hope I wasn't, didn't go the wrong way with this or that. And she gets very, you know, kind of uptight about it afterwards and feels just lets the enemy kind of get at her. And um, my reminder to her is always, you know what, you taught the word of God, and the word of God is the word of God and it's not dependent on you. And as much as we want to deliver it well, and we should strive to, um, he's still going to do what he's going to do. And so you don't have to be a Louis Giglio, you know, <laughs> you don't have to be, you know, some great communicator as much as we should strive for excellence in that. Um, it, it also comes back to the truth that the word of God contains. So that would be my encouragement. Yeah. It's letting the lion out of the cage, right? 
You let, let God's word do its yeah. thing. You know, there have been so many times, I'm not kidding. My wife could probably, I should probably do an episode with her or something because I used to a lot of times come upstairs on Saturday night and just be like, you know what? This message is the worst. I'm, I'm yeah. not cut out for this. I should just like look online and see if anybody's hiring plumbers and I'll just go learn yeah. how to be a plumber. <laughs> um, right. and, and I'm like, if I preach this message, nobody's ever going to come back. And then, you know, yep. she would always rightly just be like, just be quiet. And why don't you go teach the Bible and stop worrying about all this stuff? Just right. let the Bible do its thing. God's word yeah. by the spirit of God do its thing. And I remember one particular time where I literally told her and several friends, this is it. Like, this is the absolute worst. And God used those messages in incredible ways. I had people coming up receiving the Lord. I didn't even give an altar call or anything. And uh, <laughs> it was just, it was very humbling and kind of putting me in my place and saying, hey, yeah, you're making this way too much about you and you yeah. need to actually trust in the spirit and trust in the power of the word. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's the key. And I think, I mean, all that we talked about, I talked about, you know, kind of my former way of preaching and all that stuff. And I, I feel like I've grown a lot since then and I wouldn't want to go back to that, but yet God used those five years of my life to plant a church and people got saved and people were encouraged and grew in their walk in the Lord. And um, I, maybe, I, maybe if I were to go back, I would do it differently now, but that's where God had me at that time. And that's how he was using me at that time. And so just, I'm thankful that it's not dependent on me. <laughs> you know? Amen. So. That's a good word to end on. Thanks so much, Nate, for being with us. How can people find out more about you? Um, yeah, you can. I, I have a podcast. You can check that out if you want. It's a New Day podcast with Pastor Nate Morris. Also, mountainlife.church is our church website. Check me out there. Check out what we've got going on here. And then um, also, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Nate Morris one is my handle in most places. So awesome. Thanks for having Thanks, me Nate. on though. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much to Nate for really letting us in on his process. Thank you to Nick for guiding the conversation so well and asking good questions on our behalf. Um, so again, just want to invite you guys to our third Expositors Collective webinar, which will be taking place on December 5th. More details will be available on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also, expositorscollective.com has a, um, a button where you can click to sign up for our email list. You're not going to get daily emails that are annoying you, but what they are going to have is it's going to be occasional updates, highlights from this podcast, and invitations to future events, whether they continue to be online events and also, eventually, we look forward to gathering together in person once more. Okay, I'm going to leave you with a preview clip of our next episode. Seeing as how you guys like Nick Katie so much, the next episode is an interview that I did with Nick, and we're speaking about topical sermons. If we preach them, when we preach them, how can we preach them well? So I'm going to leave you with a clip from that conversation. Um, but I think there are ways that you can do it that are effective and ways that you can do it that are not effective. Um, I remember I was a brand new Christian. I got invited to uh, my friend's church and it was like a Wednesday night. And the guy literally read out of a concordance, all of the verses on peace. And there were like 80 of them. Yeah. It took an hour and a half. Oh. And at the end, like the last thing I felt was peace. I just wanted to die. Like <laughs> stop, just stop reading because it was not helpful. And that's sometimes what people do. Okay. I'm going to teach a topical message on this topic. So they pull out the concordance and they just like machine gun you yeah. with uh, Bible verses. And I just don't think that that is effective um, nor is it expository. So we're the expositors collective, right? So uh, I would say that uh, if you're going to teach a topical message, it should also be expository. So the way I'll do it, this is generally my practice, is that if I'm going to teach a topical message, I'll, I will find a text to base it in, and I will teach expositorily through that text to reveal that topic. 
So um, a, a good example of this, earlier this year, we taught a three-week series on faith. And part of the reason was because we were doing a move as a church that required a step of faith. And so yeah. we wanted to talk about that. So the way I did it is I took three passages. Um, one of them was from the book of Numbers. One was from the book of Judges, no, Joshua, sorry. And the third one was from the book of Hebrews. And what I had is a topic for each week on an aspect of faith, right? So one was that the reward of faith is deeper relationship with God. So that was, what is the reward of faith? But it was an aspect of faith. So I personally find it, I know that this isn't always possible, but if you're going to teach on a topic, uh, it's really helpful if you have a couple weeks to look at it from different angles, mm -hmm. then you can expose or exposit different sections of scripture, which touch on that angle. Now, let's say you only have one week. I would still do the same thing. I would say, okay, I'm going to teach on divorce and remarriage, which sure. I don't really want to teach on, but if I had to, uh, then I would find a text, like for example, what Jesus says about it. I would teach that and, and I would keep that my ground, like my grounding scripture that keeps me focused and centered. And from there, I would refer out to other parts, but I would essentially teach through that text in an expository way mm -hmm. um, and using those other verses only as support. Okay, but, but pulling in, let's say maybe more, more supporting verses than usual for those types yes. of things. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I think an advantage, and again, I was kind of saying earlier on that, you know, they're the much maligned topical sermons. I think, you know, they're maligned because they can be done really poorly or mm -hmm. because it almost is like, it's an act of trust that the congregation has to the preacher to say, we believe that what you're showing us and selecting it and what you've selected for us actually is an accurate representation of the whole of scripture. Um, yeah. And, and some people, frankly, don't deserve that trust or have, have shown themselves to be untrustworthy. And yeah. by pulling in only um, aspects of, of God's word that agree with their you know, preconceived notion or their personality type, they can give this image of God's word as, you know, coincidentally agreeing with them on everything. Yeah. Yeah, and for sure. And the sequential that's the, that's tends to limit that or, or it tends to make that harder to do. Sorry, I cut you off. No, you're good. So um, I, I think that that is the danger with it. I don't think that it should be the uh, regular diet of a church because of that very reason. And the other part is that um, inevitably, if I were to choose topics, I would choose the topics which I am personally interested in or invested yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And um, and that would actually detract from from other people's you know understanding of the Bible. It would um, it would not be fair to them. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I think on, on occasion, if you don't do it, if you don't ever do it, then you're actually doing your people a disservice as well. Because yeah. as we see with Jesus, with the apostles, I mean, there are times when people need you to speak into a topic and help them understand what the Bible says about it.